A big thank you to our sponsor, iFixit, who fights for your right to repair and makes really cool tools in the process. If you need to fix your phone, laptop, or even a vacuum, iFixit has thousands of parts, tools, and free guides. Mercury, Mercury Stardust. She's a beacon of hope in the darkest night. Mercury, Mercury Stardust. She'll teach you how to make it all alright. Hey there, hi, my name is Mercury, and I'm the trans handy ma'am. My pronouns are she, her, and I teach compassionate DIY. We're here to help renters, LGBTQIA members, and anyone who's feeling left out in a DIY space. Hey guys, gals, and non-binary pals, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Handy Ma'am Hotline. This week, I am joined by my wonderful best friend of 17 years, weighing at infinity, <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Uh, Matthew Allen. Hello. Very anti-comatic. <laughs> that's, that's how I do it. How's it going, internet I, audience? I am doing good, Manny. How are you doing? I'm doing good. You know, it has been a bit since I've sat in this chair and have talked to the audience at all. We've had a lot of wild things happen. Um, mm-hmm. Since you've heard us last, you know, we have been uh, New York Times best-selling author number one. Congratulations. We have sold the most books in the country in a single week out of all books of all kinds. Absolutely wild. And, and... We have more exciting news that we cannot tell you, <laughs> but we have some life-changing news. Mm. More than likely coming down the pipeline for me and my spouse, Mouse, and we're really excited about that. So a lot of cool stuff has happened in the last couple of weeks. Also, I did get to go up north and see my dad for the first time in six I years. I saw that video this morning. Yeah. Was it exhausting? Absolutely. You know, <laughs> yeah. I will say that... I've been very open with this, but like with my dad, I we have a long ways to go <laughs> before mm-hmm. my dad and I reconnect in like uh, a large way. I think I do not think I don't know if we'll ever get there. To be honest, I yeah. don't know if my dad and I are going to be able to solve the rifts in our relationship. But I am really proud of myself for actually having that moment with my dad, mm-hmm. and I'm also really grateful. That we got a, a a chance to um, say our last thoughts about, you know, our differences. Yeah. And see if we can move on from that. So it was good, but it was a lot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> generational trauma. <laughs> All that being said, uh, I think we might, might want to start the episode. <laughs> yeah, I love that we do this every once in yeah. a while where, boy... Mercury's an open wound, but also let's solve some problems in your home. <laughs> solve the problems. Uh, I will say I appreciated that your dad was doing the full like cops shirtless, oh, one, face situation. My, my dad, <laughs> my dad, straight up was. Um, he came outside not wearing a shirt at all, yeah. and I was like, "This is how you want to see me after six years?" And he was just like, "Why would I? Why would I put a shirt <laughs> yeah. on?" You know, you see me shirtless. Why is that a big deal? I'm like, okay. (laughs) Sorry if I offended you, Dad. It's just very Wisconsin. So Wisconsin. He has, like, Wisconsin farmer tan, too, (laughs) in that video. So, like, his forearms are just, like, super tanned. And then just, like, 
pasty white all the <laughs> way up. So funny. But all that being said, we had a really good reconnecting. But I did get to see my my childhood home for the first time in a long time and seeing the problems in the floor in the kitchen <laughs> we had i cannot believe we had this in the kitchen we had carpet okay which is weird mm, enough it's yeah. weird enough to have carpet in your kitchen it's weirder when it's green and it's turf did it start green it, it was green man it was I it was it, always it wasn't been like mold grew and it turned it always green. been green, but specifically, dude, it is turf. It literally is turf. Yeah, I guess if you're gonna have any carpet in the I kitchen, I don't like... know why. I do not know why we have that in the kitchen, but we've had that that same green with the the ugliest wallpaper I've ever, and it's peeling everywhere. And this is just how we have lived when I was growing up as a kid in a home that has multiple foundation cracks. Oh, no. Yeah, no, it's sliding off the hill. So, <laughs> sorry, this is a detour, but the house that I grew up in as a kid was built into a hill. Okay. And the foundation, ever since I've been a kid, has been sloping. And I'm telling you, Matt, it is not looking good for that home. It feels like it's coming right out of the socket, basically. Yeah, it did not look good. Yeah. So it's like, why bother fixing the wallpaper? The whole thing's going to slide yeah, down no, the hill. Yeah, no, 100, 100%. Okay, now now that we took down this path to memory land, do you want to start the episode for real now? Yes. Okay, let's get the first question. For those who are just listening to us for the very first time, I answer DIY questions every single week here. And I do the best to give my advice or what I think might be the problem. So here we go. Manny, read the first one. Hey, Mercury. My name is Megan. She, her from Oklahoma. I was wondering if you had any advice for me. I've recently been able to purchase property that comes with two small rental homes. Oh. How do I not be one of those landlords? Also, one of the houses is a converted barn. And the original owner put up the drywall and they did an awful job with the seam paper. Mm. if that's what it's called. How do I fix it so it's not so ugly? Drywall tape. You're essentially talking about drywall tape. But we can get to that in just one second. Is there a photo with that one, Manny, or no? Yep. Ooh, we're going to get see a, these photos. I'll just a little bit slow on these. But uh, um, you asked right away, you know, what can you do? as a, How can you be a good landlord? And how can you be an ethical landlord? I think I've been very vocal about this. I'm a firm believer that I just do not think that being a landlord of any kind can be done ethically. I think there's more ethical things and more ethical ways, but I think ultimately it is like hard. You're always coming at it from a position of power, right? Like you have authority over other people's, you know, what what is above their head, you know? And I do think it is a human right to have shelter. I really think it is. But that being said... I do think there's ways to do it to, to can mitigate a lot of that. And I think that one of the things is having open communication and talking about boundaries and things before it happens, right? Like mm-hmm. having the, the lease is important. That's a legal document. A lease is good. What is legally allowed and what you're legally going to do and you both have an agreement. That is great. You need to have a conversation beyond that and at a human level. Of like what a person needs. And you need to connect with that person on a human level. 
And the reason why I say that is because I think that makes the relationship more long-term. I think it makes people feel much more comfortable. And I think it, it also puts it in your head who you're actually providing this home for. Do you know what I mean, Matt? Yes. Like, I think it's a really important aspect of this that it sometimes gets lost. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You always got to just remind yourself of the humanity. Like, I think that's where most landlords fall short. I think a lot of people miss that aspect of being a landlord. I, mm. I, I think that they think of it as passive income. Yeah. And they think of, like, um, this is this is what I have to do to provide this space, you know? Like, what do I legally have to do? Yeah. But I think they... I think it's important to understand that you are providing someone a roof above their head and a safe space to sleep and to be themselves. And it's a, someone's home. And I think that a, the, one of the best things we can do when you're in a position of power is open up the line of communication to people who are not in as strong a spot of power, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um because that it, it makes it easier to um, talk about conflict or about inequities within the relationship. I think it's important to do that. And that would be where I would start. And then I also think that, like, me, you're never going to meet the gold standard of having the house be perfect. And I think sometimes people do move in thinking the house should be perfect, right? Mm-hmm. I think as long as the expectation is like, hey, to let you know there is leaking or there is some type of flooding in the basement. If that is if that is something we both know and legally you have to tell people that kind of stuff. But if that is happening, right? Then we just should have an open conversation about how we can mitigate that or how we can work together to solve those problems. Um but I often think that it's not that way. So having discussions and if everything is on the table of what's happening and how we can work together to solve that for the length of your living here and staying here, then I think it's going to be okay. What do you think, Matt? I I think so too. I think you keep those communication lines open and naturally you're going to see more of the humanity in your tenants and it'll kind of, there's like the legally obligated things, right? But there's also a moral obligation to, you're, you're in charge of somebody's home. What is your, like, do you have... In your mind, when you are renting from somebody, do you have a gold standard of what you think a landlord does? Like, do you have a reference point? Honestly, all of my landlords have been pretty shitty. Yes, same, <laughs> same. And I think that's that's what we're talking about. Yeah. So now imagine you and I or people who have similar stories to you and I being tenants. So if the landlord or or this person who is renting out two rental properties, if you have that mindset and you understand that a tenant is coming to you who probably doesn't have a good reference of what a landlord should be like, right? They only have bad experiences and ones that leave a bad taste in their mouth. Well, that's going to coat every single interaction you have. And you will have a disproportion of power dynamics within an entire relationship. And if you want someone to be comfortable and willing to listen to you when you have difficult things to say sometimes, you need to have a built-in like understanding of where that person is coming from. And I think that is the biggest disconnect, is that there will be hard things for a landlord to say. Mm-hmm. There will be moments of like, hey, I really need the rent check on this time, right? 
But if you can build in where you are always there when something goes wrong, you're being personal, you're being honest, you're never promising what you can't keep, and then you ultimately understand that there is a business interaction at the same time, mm-hmm. that's that's going to be better. That's going to be more the right route, if that makes sense to to everybody. Yes. Yeah. And paper or p- picture rails and paper picture rails picture picture trails pick, pick, picture trails picture trails having a picture trail <laughs> what? what wait no. what are you talking about Ins- i'm saying install picture rails oh <laughs> and i'm thinking of having a picture trail uh, like yeah oh yeah. you want that too Take you, pictures yeah, of yeah 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 and, and and make sure that you know what every time before you have a new tenant come in be mindful of like what the space looks like and having proof of something. That's what I thought you were trying to say. <laughs> having picture rails. I think, yes. Yeah. If you do not have picture rails, you should get yourself picture rails because I think if you don't want tenants to put holes in your wall, then that is your best route. But I still think putting holes in your wall isn't that big of a deal. But nah, it's fine. Yeah. I would say I would rather people ask me. I'll do it for them. But I think that... That is kind of like the gold standard, I think. That's what I would think. What are the other criteria for you? Like, what if we were talking like, what is the the best ideal? I'm thinking landlord. just the opposite of what my last landlord did. I think the, the, one of the hardest problems about this is that I've never been a landlord, but I've been a tenant. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I've worked alongside. So, like, have... I've worked alongside landlords a lot for a long time, but I've never been in their shoes, so I couldn't tell you. Of, what all the risks might feel like or yeah. what it might be like to be in that position. But I can tell you from a point of view, like what a technician is. And I will tell you, it always sucked when I knew I could get the job done and I knew I could finish something up, but I had to wait for the landlord to make the final decision. And mm. it always took longer and it was always based on money instead of it being like, no, it's someone literally can't do laundry for two weeks. Yeah. Or oh no, someone has to live with a hole in the ceiling above their bathroom for like ten days because someone has to make a financial decision or find a vendor or something instead of just having me do it. Yeah. That be, was beware of short term fixes and band aids. Yeah. I would say always when you have a problem, you deal with it head on instead mm-hmm. of putting band aids on everything, unless you really really have to because of you know, financial reasons and et cetera. If you, can't, if you don't do it right, you're probably going to end up paying more in the yeah. long run anyway. And I think that if you understand that being a landlord is a long-term gain and not a short-term gain, I think that you're going to be in the right position too. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because I think that it ultimately comes down to if you think that you should turn a profit very quickly, which I just don't think is really Mm-mm. realistic, or if you think it should all be about money early on and you're not putting in a good foundation of of like how this is going to work and making sure everything starts off good. If you're just like basically flipping the property really quickly and it's all shabbily done and then you're trying to turn a profit and make sure that everything is as lowest quality as possible, then yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think it's going to work long term. But if you put down a good foundation, you get good materials. You really put a lot of time and effort into it, and you're, you're about building relationships. You don't need to have a turnover every single like year or two years or six months 
I think having the less turnovers you have, the better in my books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The less work you need from me. Do you know what I mean? The less you got to pay a technician or pay a handy person to do the job. I don't want to be at your home. You know what I mean? <laughs> at my home? I don't want to be at I your came home. Out of nowhere. You know, I <laughs> I don't want to be there, but I will if something goes wrong kind of thing. Mhm. Yeah. What do you think about this drywall? Oh yeah, I forgot already. Um Is that that isn't just texture? That is someone Oh my god. It looks like texture, dude. That is is that it? I think the tape might be coming off and curling up or something. Oh, yeah. There's a lot going on there. Okay, as far as the tape itself, and it's, it, there was not enough mud underneath it for it to actually have been set right. So it's bubbling. And when that happens, it means that it was too dry underneath the tape when you applied it. Does that make sense? Buddy? Yeah. So would that just be a matter of peeling that off and then putting new tape on? I mean, that's going to make a fucking mess, dude. But yeah, that is essentially what you need to do. Or what you could do is cut a hole in the bubble and then uh, apply mud behind it, joint compound. Okay. And then push it down and then maybe take a heat gun to it. Maybe maybe even like wet mud it. Because you could could theoretically kind of like peel that down and make it might make it a hole or something you yeah. could cut it out yeah actually you know what do this cut out the bubble and then sand it down to make it into a divot okay and then um take dry dry a joint compound in fill in the gap so make it a hole is what i'm trying to say that would probably be the best solution in that instance okay so you, just so i can figure it out because that You're is cutting dry. like here yeah, you're cutting into the bubbles. Okay. Or like, I know there's like gonna... just a slit all the way down to yeah. get all the air out? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, well, maybe a slit or individual holes. Depending. I, I can't tell from that photo if it's like, well, that whole piece has got to come out or whatnot. But you could rip the tape off, too. But I think you're if you rip the tape off, you're going to have, like, you know, cardboard rips all the way mm. across it. I, I don't think that's yeah. going to peel the way you want it to unless you... You score it on both sides and then rip it right out. You're pulling it like a belt right out of the loops. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that could be a way that that could work. That could be very satisfying too. I think you. I think any of the routes we've talked about would work. Yeah. Not a whole lot more to say to that one, but that's that's how I would fix that problem. Now I would assume the rest of the wall is texture, right? That isn't just a bunch of patches, right? It looks it looks textured. intentional, but also not regular. It almost looks like plaster, but I don't think it is. Yeah, there we go. We helped you. Yeah. Yay. Hey, good luck being a, a landlord. I, I, you know, I know that I poop on landlords a lot. You know, that is my mo, and I am pretty harsh sometimes about it. But I do think that I believe very strongly in being aware of what the realities of the world are. And even though I really wish there we didn't have a world full of landlords, that's the position we find ourselves in. So I think the best way we can do is help each other the best way we can, have open communication, and work through those things together. And I think that usually solves the problems. So good luck! Don't be evil. 
Don't, <laughs> don't be evil. But the fact that you've already listened to this podcast, <laughs> yeah. you already listened to this podcast, and you're already like asking these questions. I have a very good feeling that you're all by the very definition of how this is working. You're already taking really good steps, and I I hope there's more people out there who are landlords who listen who who want to do the best by their people. You know, I think. You know, I think people do get into the industry f- for good reasons sometimes, but I do. It's also always a financial investment. And because mm-hmm. of that, there's, you know, sometimes people care a little bit more about the financial investment than you do the people who they're giving that, you know, service to. So, mm-hmm. next question. Next question. <laughs> Hi, my name is Sarah, and my pronouns are she, her. I have actually two questions because I'm working on a couple big projects. My first question is about a stove that a mouse has made a home in. Now, I have figured out how to get the top of the stove and take everything apart, and I've ordered new insulation for the stove, and there doesn't appear to be any chewing on any of the wires. So I'm assuming that as long as I replace this insulation and get all the urine and feces cleaned up that hopefully that should be enough but i was wondering if you could recommend a good product for cleaning the urine off of the harder metal surface i didn't know if i should use like an sos or brillo pad obviously i don't want something that will mix with ammonia and make a bad chemical but my second question is about my freezer it is freezing up along the vent in the bottom And last week, I unplugged it, I took my heating craft gun, and I melted all that ice, reset the thermostat, and it started working again. Except a few days later, it started having the same problem, where there's ice building up in the vent at the bottom of the freezer, and you can hear air whooshing through the vent that comes from the freezer into the refrigerator. The freezer is really working well but the refrigerator is unfortunately not we do not have a water line that connects to the fridge or the freezer so i'm having trouble figuring out what the issue might be if you might be able to help me with that one i really really appreciate it and i love you so so much thank you Okay, boy, oh boy, you got some big questions there. We're going to break this up in two parts so we have a more clear idea how we can help you. The first thing we're going to do here is talk about cleaning urine off of metal, right? Any type of like, how do you clean that property? How do you get all that out? Baking soda, baking soda and vinegar, I swear to God, are great for basically almost anything like this. The baking soda acts as like a texture. Right, like a pumice, mm. like oh, an axe. Like, yeah, it's like yeah, scours it, it always helps. You, you want to get in the grain, like in that metal itself, and try to get in there as much as you can. For the most part, it's going to like reflect or or shield itself from the urine, right? But you are going to have, in order to be safe and make sure it's sanitary, baking soda and vinegar will help with the cleaning process. Then you can get yourself and wipe it down with hydrogen peroxide. Some people like to like mix in. Hydrogen peroxide, baking soda, and detergent all together and do that. But I, I'm going to say hydrogen peroxide after baking soda and vinegar would be fine. Okay. That how, would be how, the, how do you feel about enzyme cleaners? Like I hate them. Miracle? I really? hate them. I hate them. I hate them. I hate them. I hate them. From my experience, from my experience, anything 
in that world is not as effective as they always claim to be, hmm. right? And it, I don't. It's, all the products are done differently. Yeah, but th- those enzyme, you know, cleaners of all kinds do worry me. And my own experience with it has been mostly for like food traps and stuff like that, or grease traps rather, or enzyme cleaners in toilets and stuff like that. So it's going to be a little different than this element, but like I just haven't had great consistent experiences with them to recommend them. Okay, have you? Uh, well, I have cats, so I use the Nature's Miracle whenever they make messes. Oh, really? How does that work? It works great for like cat is especially bad to get out of anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe it, it, that's the thing. Like, and d- does it work long term? Like, do you see? Do you when you spray it or what? However you apply it, do you see it getting better over the course of a couple of days? When it's gonna work on something, it works faster than that. Does it? But yeah. yeah, but does it? Like I'll see it fade in a couple hours. Oh, so it fades in a couple hours, but then does it get even progressively better? Because that's the thing with a lot of those products is that like they claim that they'll help restore it over time. A lot of times. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I never see that to be true. I think they're supposed to be good for, like, biological stuff. So I, that makes sense if it's digesting it over yeah. time. And that's that's where my brain immediately went was that, like, they're natural, they're, they're natural components to all that, right? And bacteria and how that all is supposed to work. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Good stuff. So, I, yeah, I think we answered that question for Sarah. We did, right? Yeah. No. Okay. Good. <laughs> you said buy the mouse a cookie, right? Oh yeah, buy the mouse a cookie. All you right. know, and you know, build a little house for Mickey and Minnie. You know, <laughs> but okay. No. Yeah. And then the freezer, right? Okay. Let's get to the, the the second part now. When we talk about freezers and refrigerators, it's all going to come down to the make and model, right? And I mm-hmm. always tell people that if they can let us know about what the make and model is, we're going to be able to provide a lot more information for you because we can look up the actual manual for you and try to be able to find the problem. So now this is what I would do. I would find the make and model of that refrigerator. Mm-hmm. All right. It's usually in the inside of the door. So when you open up the door, it's like inside of the, the hinge. Okay. That's usually oh, where, yeah. where the number of the model is in the, in the make. So it's going to be HE or something for high efficiency. And then it's going to say blah, 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 you know. All that kind of stuff. Yeah, model numbers, part numbers. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Good stuff. But that, if if you find that information, if you look up the manual, you usually can find one on the good old-fashioned Google. And then you can go down that rabbit hole of, like, what is common problems you may have. Like, a lot of times you will find manuals will say common problems and then solutions to the those common problems. You may find one directly to help your specific model. And what can happen frequently. Now, I would say when we're dealing with problems like this, even if it doesn't share a water line, like Sarah talked about it, it, you know, not sharing one, it still sounds like it would probably share a condenser, though. So it could be a problem with the condenser and the tube Mm. leading the actual connection from the condenser to to the refrigerator. That would be where I would look. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, because they mentioned that the fridge doesn't seem to get as cold as it should. Yeah, but the freezer is, though. Yeah. So that, but, that, and that's... And then that difference is what's causing the ice. Yes, up. exactly. That would be... like, that ice is coming from water vapor in the air slowly over time. Yeah, so I guess the, the, 
the the I don't really know what the solution is like what the, re, the replacement would be. I think it would come down to the specific make and model and how that would all work and I don't know enough about appliances. I don't yeah. do enough of that work. You know, I would do some work on condensers. I've changed out condenser fans and I've done stuff with like doors and refrigerators and and changed like electricity and lights and refrigerators. But other than that, it's like once certain things go, you're better off just replacing the refrigerator sometimes. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. and that line is a rough one when it comes to appliances, especially big ones like yeah. refrigerators and dishwashers and stuff. That line of like, when do you reinvest? When do you actually do that? What is like, okay, you know, is this a problem? Is it, is, can you get this repaired by a specialist? Yeah. Or is it better off just getting a new one? And I'm going to be honest with you, a lot of times it's way better off getting a new one. Mm. You know, when you pay for people to come out and stuff, if it's not under warranty. If it's under warranty, good. But if it's yeah. not, I don't think it's worth having someone come out and take a look at it. Yeah. Because that's going to be a couple hundred dollars right away. It definitely sounds like there's something wrong with the cooling aspect of the fridge. Yes. Um, well, and that gets real complicated real fast. Yeah. And once again, not a specialist. Mm-hmm. This is me doing the best I can with the information I got. <laughs> uh, thank you for listening to the Handyman Hotline where we don't know. <laughs> you disconnect the fridge. Yeah. And that's a mouse mansion. Yeah. So the mouse goes in there and doesn't have to go in the stove anymore. 100%. I would say it's, it's a mouse's fault. That, yeah. that, that's what we're finding out. Honestly. This, the stove mouse is now moving into the fridge. That's yeah. what's happening. That stove sh- mouse. Shoot through some copper pipe. Yeah. 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 100%. Is it Tom or is it Jerry who's the mouse? Is it Tom? Oh, fuck. It's, so Tom is just hanging Tom, out. I'm guessing Tomcat. Yeah. You're right. So it must be Jerry. Jerry's the mouse. Yeah. Okay, so Jerry just moved into the fridge. That's Jerry was hanging out in the stove. It was his bachelor pad. He's getting married now, moving on with the kids. It's not even broken or anything. It's just like cold in here, goes to the thermostat. (laughs) (laughs) The mouse is like, why is it why is it thirty one degrees in here? What are we doing? That's hilarious. The food options are great though. Lots of walkable stuff. Yeah, it's really great. So many amazing restaurants in this fridge. Yeah. Transit kind of sucks, but we figure it out. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sticking to it's Jerry's fault. So I hope that it helps you, Sarah. <laughs> Good luck in, on your fridge. I hope that everything goes well with your stove too, and that it helps the best it can. I think in the I think this is one of the questions where I will say that I definitely did not help as much as I wish I could. <laughs> yeah. You want another one? Give me another one, Manny. Leandra, she, her. Hi, any advice on sanding and restaining hardwood floors? We are closing on our very first home next week, but we need to save money, so I'm attempting to do the floors myself. Any tips would be great. P.S. The Hubs is totally going to be buying me your book as I am the handy one in the household. Leandra from Queens, she, her. Oh my God. Well, thank you so much. I'm happy that you're going to get the book and that it's going to help you. I hope. (laughs) Howard Floors. Boy, oh boy. Everyone in their family really cares about Howard Floors, right? We always love to see them, but there are a lot of work to try to maintain and also try to restore, to be honest. 
Matt, do you have any experience with hardwood floors yourself? Yes. The hardwood floors at my previous apartment, all of the polyurethane was completely worn off, so it was just naked bare wood, and it was really bad. Yeah, that's not fun. (laughs) That's not fun at all. There's no easy way to do any hardwood floor stuff. There isn't, right? Like, get yourself a good knee pad, building yourself a bunch of brakes. I would say get good gloves, too. Your knuckles are going to get beat up whenever you're doing any type of, like, work like this. And sadly, a lot of the best work you're going to do is do it with sandpaper. Uh, and yeah. that is not fun. That It depends on how much we're doing. Like, if we're sanding down pieces, sandpaper is going to be way more fine and, and it's going to be better in the long run. Or... Or, you know, if it's if it's a more larger area, that's a whole different. But if you're going to redo sections of it, I would say sandpaper is the way that I would go. Uh, between 20 to 120 grit paper. Okay. That would be what we're looking at for grit itself. And then make sure you go with the grain, right? Yeah. When we do the work itself. And make sure that we are taking a ton of fucking breaks, dude. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. This is one of those tasks where I I don't know a ton about more than the information I've already given, but I will say that it's all about timing and making sure that you plane longer than you think you're going to, right? This is when I tell people this is not a weekend job. This is a month job kind of thing. But now I would like to take a moment and talk about that beautiful cat that was sent in. <laughs> That's a beautiful cat. That's a big boy. That's yeah. a big boy. Big old kitty. I love cow print cats. I love yeah. I love black and white cats that are spotted. I love them. I like how we switch from floorboards right to the cat. <laughs> yeah. Don't bother. The cat's just going to fuck up the floor anyway. When Maggie's not here, we go off the rails way more often. <laughs> yeah. What I feel like it's obvious whenever Maggie's here how much more we're on task. And when Maggie's not, it is like every single person who's with me is just like, you know, a squirrel in a hen house, you know? I have a question. Yeah. I know. Well, I'm pretty sure there are like big powered floor sanders that you can rent. Yeah. Like those like big buffer machines almost. Yes. Yeah. It just occurred to me that buffing is the same thing as sanding. Yeah. I Again, I don't want to say too much more about that because I'm not necessarily sure how that would work for a Howard floor. Right. Because I, that's I was just different. Ask, like, is there a non-powered, like, uh, version where you can just push so you don't have to be on your hands and knees? I'm going to be honest. I don't know the answer. Huh. I'm sure someone who's listening it does. But I will tell you the way that I have seen it done, and it has been my paper a lot of the time. Because we're not talking about big, we're not talking about like ginormous differences. We're talking about usually stuff that's that's pretty fine and stuff like that too. So because you're just sanding through like a couple of like a millimeter or something of stuff, probably it all depends. Um, it all okay. depends. I don't know what stage. I mean, it it seems like they're just talking about restoring it rather than like we just installed this. Mm-hmm. You know, again. Not an expert when it comes to flooring. Maybe the mouse did it. Yeah, I think that right now I'm over. I'm like one for three this week. But you know what? I I feel like I came out of retirement for this. You know? <laughs> I I've been on vacation for like ten days or fifteen days after we we got back from the book tour, and I'm you know this is the rest is coming off. That's the longest time you've spent not working. Yeah, 100%. We had a whole discussion about how I've never taken more than three days off of my entire life. Yeah, okay, cool. Let's go for the next question. And also, there is a picture of a cat, too. 
apparently in this one, and that makes me excited. My team labels out, like, we'll have, like, little, like, documents of what each of the questions are and what's in them. And then the very top of these documents, they will say, pitchers, yes, cat. <laughs> Is in parentheses. Not of the what's broken, of not the drywall, not the ceiling or plumbing. No, they don't send me pictures of the actual problem. They send me pictures of the cat. And that is truly that I feel like I have arrived. That makes me so happy. And this is a beautiful black cat. Oh, he's a beautiful black cat. He's a Halloween cat. This Uh-oh. is from Lori. Hi, Lori. Hi, Mercury. I'm so glad to find out about your podcast. Question for you. For an aspiring handy gal like me, what tools should I invest in? I have the basics, a hammer, a couple of screwdrivers. But what else? The power tool section at Home Depot intimidates me, but I'd like to learn to use some of them. Thanks. Also, here is one of my four cats, Mochi. Oh, my God. Uh, I love this cat. Mo- Mochi's so cute. I'm obsessed with Mochi. Okay. So now, Lori, here we go. I'm going to tell you right now, uh, gal to gal, I'm going to say that do stay away from big kits. Don't mm. go to kits. Don't go for, like, the power tool collection or, you know, whatever. Like, don't buy the big box of, like, all the things. This is what I want you to be aware of. Buy the tools for individual tasks to start with. Okay? Buy them as you need them. You're going to buy better quality. You're going to have better conditioned tools, and you're going to have tools that work best for your individual home. Do you know what I'm trying to say, Maddie? Yes. So I think the worst thing you can do is invest three or $400 into tool kits and tool collections and, you know, a pack of six power tools like a circle saw and and a sander and all of them are from the same company. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think to start with, this is where I would go, right? Individual um, tools for individual jobs to start with. This is like the first couple of projects. That means if we need a specific type of, you know, power tool, we're getting that for it. We're getting specific wrenches for tasks, right? We're getting specific, like, you know, crescent wrench and pipe wrenches and stuff like that. And then we're kind of making sure we have that in our budget, right? Mm-hmm. And I would say buy quality over quantity to start your collection. As you are going on, and if you're finding that this is annoying, right? Like, you just wanted, like, a good overall backbone of tools. Craftsman. Okay. Craftsman is the route I would go because they have a pretty good amount of pretty good tools, right? Those collections will never have the best tools all together. You never do. I've yet to see it. There's always one or two tools in there where I wouldn't trust my fucking life on it. (laughs) Right? Like, but that is just what you get. That's what you get. And you can find the quality of the tool when you're working with it. Right? Like, for instance, if you are stripping on a lot of screws, if you are jumping or caming a lot when you are doing screwing or anything like that, you have soft metal, you know, tools you're working with. Tools that are lesser quality. If you buy higher quality, you won't came out as much because it'll actually be yeah. the right specific size to precision. Speaking of soft metal, stay away from Harbor Freight. Well, I, I always tell people, you know, do what you can afford. Yeah. Right? 
So I don't want to put too much of a bad taste in people's mouth when we're talking about Harbor Freight. But I, I'll say I will no longer buy anything with a blade or a motor at Harbor Freight. I think that's fair, though. I think that, like, I, I 100% agree when it comes to anything that's, like, like dealing with safety aspects, right? Mm-hmm. Don't buy cheap, right? We just got a table saw here at the studio, and we went and got DeWalt's contractor table saw. Mm-hmm. So that is those kind that are more portable. Like, I yeah. can bring this to the job site. Those kind of things, they're they're not bad quality. They're decent, but it's like kind of a run in the mill. It's very common in the industry, right in the middle of that price range. That is kind of where you want to be at the base minimal when we're talking about blades and mortars, right? You don't mm-hmm. want to go too low because of safety reasons, too. I don't know if I would trust a lot of the, the cheaper ones. What What I did when I was trying to build out my tool collection was... What, Harbor Freight has a lot of really specific niche tools, so I would go there and just look at everything in the aisles and see if I anything jumped out that like would make my life easier, and then I go buy it somewhere else. Yeah, I also <laughs> think it's important to remember too that when we are talking about drills and stuff, we're talking about power tools. Yeah, it's going to come down to like um, you're buying into the battery family, right? Yeah. Like you know, if you're buying one Ryobi battery and charger, right? You are then going to be more prone to buy all the 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 tools you need for that battery system. Mm-hmm. So, like you know, Milwaukee, Dewalt, you know, Makita, Bosch, all of them are all going to depend on what you need. So, this the reason why I say buy individual tools to start with, especially battery, is because then you have. The tools that you're going to be using the most when you're doing repairs and things like that are going to be ones that you actually have and are quality of the ones you have. So, for an instance, if you are doing, like, some type of work outside and you're cutting, like, tree branches and you're going to use a Sawzall, you're going to use the Milwaukee Sawzall. You're going to get yourself a Milwaukee Sawzall because, like, that is what you're going to use, and that is the gold standard of the industry. And if you're going to buy quality, that's where you're going to do it. And then you're going to be bought into the Milwaukee family. Mm-hmm. So now you're going to probably get the drill, and now you're going to probably get the belts. You're going to get the sander and Ober sander and circle saw. You're going to get that, and all those are quality tools. Now, if you're doing a lot of outdoor work, if you're doing like leaf blowing and stuff, and you want battery-operated tools, you're probably going to go with Ryobi because the Ryobi has the most versatility when it goes to power tools outside, right? They have like a huge collection of yeah. stuff. I think they're great for homeowners and for hobbyists. I think they're fine. As a contractor, I wouldn't. You, I mean, you show up with Ryobi to a job site, you get yourself laughed off the fucking job site. The, the thing is, is, you show up with Ryobi, everyone will know immediately because yeah. it's bright fucking green. Yeah, but also, like, yeah, that's true. But <laughs> I, w- I will also say, like, Black & Decker doesn't really have a good name as contractors anymore, nearly yeah. as craftsmen. But as far as homeowners and just doing good work at home, I think craftsmen is good. I think craftsmen makes good Kind of like decent everything for homeowners. You know, I I spoke to my dad this week, like we talked about. And my dad surprisingly told me he sticks with Black & Decker still. He's a Black mm-hmm. & Decker fan. And he's still, yeah, after all for these life. years. Yeah, all these years. he's He has stuff that's like 25 years old from Black & Decker. 
Okay, so he has stuff from like when they still make good stuff. Yeah, yeah, and he also went through that phase of them making really bad stuff, and now they're like decent now again. But I will say, everything in Black and Deaf, from my standpoint, doesn't last though. Mm. Like I recommend the twelve volt lithium battery drill from Black and Decker is the one drill I recommend for renters, right? But if mm-hmm. we're a homeowner, I don't recommend it as much, right? Because we're doing bigger repairs, we're doing bigger things with it. I wouldn't want to get anything under a twenty volt drill. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because I think that you want to have something a little bit more heavy duty that can handle more work probably in a house. Would you recommend uh, just corded stuff then? Oh, no. I, I, I hate cords. Okay. So as a neurodivergent person, yeah. right, and you, you are in the same boat as I am, wouldn't you agree that cords are our arch nemesis? I do hate them, but I love coiling cords. Yeah. So. <laughs> God, there's so much truth in that. <laughs> I will say I hate cords everything i do in my life is battery operated and if you're a contractor there's just something like a good hammer drill you're just not going to really get with a cordless one you know there's better ones but they're really expensive Mm -hmm. but a lot of that kind of stuff can be corded now when you're buying into the battery family i i i think that going for versatility for tools is really important as a homeowner or as someone who's doing it as a hobbyist. And I think Railby's right up there and DeWalt's right up there and then Milwaukee. But I'm a big fan right now of the M12 fuel system from Milwaukee. And that's all 12-volt batteries. And the reason why I like 12-volt tools is because they're lightweight and they're smaller. They fit in your hand and they have less recoil. Mm. So when you're doing a lot of... If you're not doing a lot of big cuts, if you're not doing huge jobs, if you're not like... Cutting every single, you know, floorboard when you're installing a floor. You don't need ginormous tools. You can get away with, you know, a circle of softest 12 volt. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That would be the the, the, the the reason why I say all that is because you want versatility when you're talking about tools. And I am a big fan of that. Some people will argue having specific tools for specific things and... Never buy multi-tools and stuff like that. But I don't agree with that so much. No, I think there's like a happy medium where you can get a few multi-tools uh, to cover your ass and then yeah. specialized tools for other when, things. And then there's a difference between installing things and repairing things. You're going to have tools that are much more useful for repairing things. And you're going to have much more tools that are more installing things. The installing tools are like going to be your tape measure, your stud finder, or your magnet, you know, your your drivers, your impact drivers, you know, and then your your drills. Oh, that's like installing stuff most of the time mm-hmm. or assembling stuff, right? The repairs, you're going to have your adjustable groove joint pliers or your Allen key or your crescent wrench or, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. You're not going to have a hammer in there typically, you know, but your multi-screwdriver, you will. You know what I mean? Those mm-hmm. kind of things. So... You're going to have different sets of tools and different options as well. Build small. Try to go for quality over quantity. Be aware of soft metals. And I always tell people never buy the cheapest. Don't buy the most expensive. Buy the middle. Anything in that middle ground is usually decent. And you will find your preferences. For an example, I like almost every handle on every Milwaukee tool. 
right? Grips. Like the shape? Yes, the, the shape, the grips, the... Okay. I, I think they're good. Same with DeWalt. I like DeWalt and Milwaukee. I'm more prone to walk up to any tool section and grab a DeWalt Milwaukee based on the handles of things. Because I'm more about comfortability when I'm using tools because my hands are not great. Yeah. Uh, my wrists are really weak. So, like, I don't like to deal with tools that are uncomfortable to hold. So, I stay away from a lot of those cheaper stuff. Those, like, old hand, hand, those old metal handles and stuff like that, I stay away from. So, you're going to have preferences. Someone might really like that. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. and so, it's, it's, it's more like you're going to build tools into a toolkit that works best for you and your specific home, you know? Mm-hmm. And you can always sell stuff on Craigslist if it turns yeah, out to Craigslist, not be good. Yeah, you can always sell stuff and stuff on Craigslist, but you can always get stuff from Marketplace, too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, really look in the Marketplace. I would say don't buy from Craigslist right now for this, because you don't really know what you're looking for. You won't know if the tools are damaged. I bought a circular saw that I found oh. out years later was fucked up, and the guy that sold it to me almost certainly knew it. Really? Yeah. Damn. <laughs> but that's, a, you know, Matt brings up a really good point. You don't really know what you're looking for when you're starting out. And that's something to be said about all of this, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we're doing the best we can to, like, fill in the blanks. But I can guarantee it's okay to not know everything with it. And it's okay to kind of, like, go into it a little bit more without, like, a full frame of reference. Like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. If you make a mistakes and you're like, fuck, I really don't like this tool. That's okay. Like you're not, you're not a bad person for not buying the exact right tool. I think that's important to be mindful of. Okay. I think we have one last question, right, Maddie? We do. I think I'm two for four today. <laughs> <laughs> Batting 500, which is not bad in baseball terms. <laughs> Hi, Mercury. My name is M. I use she, they pronouns. I live in New Orleans, Louisiana, and I can't wait to see you when you come here on your book tour. I recently moved to my own place, and there's an issue with the bathtub. The shower head and bath faucet leak at their connections, which is one thing, but the tub itself is not slanted correctly for the water to flow into the tub, so the faucet leaking drips down and water pools at the corner and eventually overflows toward the bathroom floor. There's also a spot in the tub where water pools, and I have to sweep the water toward the drain after I shower so it doesn't just sit there. The flooring beneath the tub also creaks loudly and a little concerningly, depending on where I step in the tub while I'm showering. So my question is, what can I do to stop the water pooling? Thank you. I appreciate everything you do, and take care. Okay, Em, I think that you hold the record now of question that we've, we, so we've had, we've done this for almost a year now. And I think we've played this question more than any other question we've ever played. Like, we've replayed it, boy, five, maybe six times now, Matt and I. And oh, yeah. we were trying to find, there's just a lot to this question. And, and I think I'm going to point out some things. Mm-hmm. So not only are we having leaking problems from the connection points of the shower head and the spout, right? Yeah. We're also having a problem that the, 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 tu- the tub is not slanted properly, mm-hmm. probably because the floor is going bad. And that's a whole different discussion we'll talk about in a second. So now it's slanting differently, which is also now causing a problem with a spout not actually hitting the bathtub and now 
Well, hitting the rim of the bathtub, rather. And now it's pooling there and then running over on the floor. And then that's weakening the floor. Uh-huh. And now it's creaking. Uh-huh. Wow. There's a and, lot. Th- and I mean, then. <laughs> this, was like, this was like a sleeper where we heard it the first time. And I was like, oh, that doesn't seem right. <laughs> yeah. And the more we played it, we're like, oh, my God. And this is happening. Yeah. And this is happening. Oh, my God. Okay. So how do we solve this problem? Let's boil down to this. Really quick, you got to turn off the water. The whole thing. You, we got to look at this. I would take the shower head off, and I would take the the spout off, and I would try to figure out what's going on here. Are these these are probably are these screwed in together here? Is is there like is the tape going bad? Uh, do I just need thread tape? Is that just a solution here? Just good old fashioned thread tape, and is that going to help suction everything in there? If I do, if I replace it with a good shower head, if I replace it with a good uh, diverter, is that going to make everything? Work a little better. I would look into that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, that should it shouldn't be leaking from the wall. Okay, that is not something we should be okay with. <laughs> now the actual diverter itself is it's 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 too short or whatnot. It, it, if that is the problem, which I don't think that's the central problem here, but we're just going to handle it as if this is okay. So if that is the main culprit to all of this, then I would say. You need to get an extender, so um, uh, or a diverter extender or a spout extender. And what that's basically going to be like is that you're going to take off the diverter, and you're going to take off the old pipe, and then you're going to install a longer pipe for that diverter to go on to, right? Mm-hmm. And that is, and you are going to get a longer spout, by the way. That's going to be the right size, the right length. Maybe an extra like half inch or inch would do the trick here. And that should help with the overflowing problem. Now, let's talk about the floor, which is what we think might be the most pressing. And maybe you might want to be where you focus on. Now, this all sounds like it's linked to a similar overflow problem. Like the like it's been flooded in there and then that's weakened the boards and that has softened the boards enough <laughs> to to then angle that floor to then now cause the problem to get worse that that's what it sounds like yeah. i don't know if that's the case um i don't i don't know i don't see it in front of me so i couldn't tell you i don't I, you know i don't know how soft the floorboards are i don't know what that subfloor is you know but I will say I would think about getting that all set right and writing the ship. If yeah. if that was financially in the cards, that would be what I would want to do. If that's not realistic, then I think that it's all about mitigation. You might want to get someone to check the squeaking, you know, mm-hmm. and how soft all that stuff is. If you go underneath there and there the floorboards are retaining water. Yeah. You got an issue. Okay. Does that make sense? If they're not retaining water, if it's all dry down there, you're fine. But if they're if it's not, like if you've got a basement that is, I'm I'm assuming you have a basement because that's how my brain works. But you might not. If you're I don't in New, think Orleans, New Orleans has Oh, basements. you're right. They're in New Orleans. They're not going to. Then I don't yeah, yeah, then then that's a crawl space, right? Again, this is this is the problems when you're from Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has a basement here. But yeah, no, if you're in New Orleans, you don't. Very interesting. But yeah, I would be concerned about the floor itself and what's happening there. There's no way to 
shore that up without fully taking the tub out, right? Uh, uh, to do it properly, yeah. Mm. There's other ways you could do it, probably. I know some people can do it from underneath and lift it up from underneath, but I, I, I think that that's not something that I would trust, mm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think the question is here that we're not asking. Is is this on the second floor or is this on the first mm. floor of a home, right? That's I would be nervous about that if you can see underneath. And I also think that there's another component to this is that, like, what are you most comfortable with? And if you think that that actually isn't a problem and you just really want to worry about that extender, then I think extending that diverter out is probably the best solution here and mitigating that a little bit, if that makes sense. Yeah. Or even... Yeah, no, I think extending it is the best road, not angling it up, but extending it. And cleaning up the cleaning up and doing thread tape on all the other connections to make sure that's Yes, all. exactly. I would say make sure it's not leaking from anywhere because mm-hmm. you don't need extra water yeah. from places you don't want it to be from. And then make sure that arm's a little bit longer than otherwise, you know? Even if it doesn't look pretty, right? Even if it looks like the diverter is a little bit away from the wall and stuff like that, for now... That's better than um, having it be too short. You don't want, you want to keep water off the floor. Yeah. And I would say you want to get mats and you want to get things that will absorb water around the tub for your, to, to prevent any further problems. That's what I would do. I answered a question. <laughs> I think that, I, I think maybe I'm three for five today. I, I think, think so. I, I, th- I don't really know. I think so. You got bonus points yeah, for the pre-show, though. If you though. have problems with any of my answers, and I'm sure today you absolutely do, uh, make sure that you text us at this number. 608-205-8768. And you can ask us questions if you want to take that risk <laughs> by calling this number. 608-205-8768. Remember, we are currently now on tour for me doing my book signings here in the United States. I have 37 more cities to go. You can find out all the information by going to mercurystardust.com. And you can find out where I'm coming near you. We have the East Coast, Midwest, and have the West Coast tours coming up. We are going to so many places still. And I can't wait to be in your city, perhaps. <laughs> it got weird at the end. Yeah, everyone, remember, you're worth the time it takes to learn a new skill. Bye-bye. The theme song was created by Rody Walker. Questions were picked up by our production assistant, Ziggy. A big thank you to our executive producer, Basil. And this podcast was recorded and edited by Matthew Allen Hag. Thank you for listening. See you next time. If you enjoyed this episode of the Handyman Hotline, you can listen to an even longer version by supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon, $10 or more, you'll be able to get an extra long 30 to 45 minute section every single week. Isn't that amazing? More of me and Maggie. Wow! So thank you so much for all those who already support us, and you too can support us and listen to more on our Patreon. Thank you. Bye-bye. So grab your hammer and nails and paint your nails if you want to. You're worth the time.